We are live. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 29 of the Tilted Lawyer broadcast. And um, after six long weeks, we have finally made it. We are at the conclusion of the Alex Murdoch nightmare trial. <laughs> the prosecutors had mentioned that they thought that this was going to be a three-week ordeal. And um, I had said, I don't know, um, I've heard more like six weeks. Mm -hmm. And guess what? We're like six weeks in. And there was even indication like at the uh, when the state was putting on the rebuttal evidence mm -hmm. that they were going to um, have like eight different rebuttal witnesses and it might like carry in the next week. And then there's there's all kinds of crazy mm -hmm. stuff, but it doesn't matter. We are finally here. Closing arguments have been had. Uh, the case is now in the hands of the jury. And um, we're going to wait for the jury to hang because my prediction is a hung jury. <laughs> There's no way this goes to a verdict, although it might. It's possible. Um, I'm not, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But we're going to talk about it. Um, did you have a chance to see any of the, and I know that she. <laughs> <laughs> I came here straight from the court. <laughs> straight from, well, yes, you didn't get to catch any of the closing arguments today. But Nothing. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that were pissed off at Creighton Waters because of his performance and closing statements. Jim Griffin got up there and gave one of the worst Closing statements I've ever seen from a high-profile defense attorney. Honestly, it was uh, it was really bad. Um, but then Mr. Metters from the state came through and gave a rousing closing statement. Where if you could score points in a closing statement or win a case on a closing mm -hmm. argument, um, that's about as close as it gets. But ultimately, the jury's going to decide. Um, I'm going to roll the intro, and then we're mm -hmm. going to get started with the show. What's up, everybody? I'm Omar Serrato, experienced and practicing attorney, fierce litigator, and unofficial commentator on the most popular legal issues of the day. I'm the host of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, joined by Eliana Colon-Rosa and the TLP crew, where we break down the human aspects of law that everybody wants to talk about. I've been a practicing attorney for many years, but nothing in this show is or should be taken as legal advice. We're not going to pull any punches. We might even get a little bit dirty, but we want you to join us anyway. And we're back. So, um, closing statements. Yesterday, I don't know what, you know, there's a lot of people that are following this case. Mm -hmm. And people are very opinionated as far as this case goes. And people that think that Alex is guilty think that he's really, really guilty. And so they were rooting for uh, Creighton Waters to give, you know, uh, a, a really good closing mm -hmm. statement. And so he gets up there and what do you think he starts with? Well, it was a lot of the financial stuff. <laughs> he <laughs> he gave um, I want to say that his closing argument was maybe four and a half, five hours or so. But okay. he focused again on he lied about this and he lied about mm -hmm. this and he stole money from this person and that person. And um, Alex Murdoch is a liar. And it was boring and it was very monotone in the monotone way that Creighton Waters likes to present evidence. And, um, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't really do himself... Um, According to people that are rooting for the state, he didn't really do them any favors. Um, but if I were to if I were to grade his closing argument against, mm -hmm. say, Jim Griffin's this morning, I would say that his was much better because at the very least, he did. He spent like the first half of his closing argument focusing on you know, the financial stuff and all the stuff mm -hmm. that we didn't want to talk about. But he did get he had his moments. And there was this very key moment in his closing statements where he was trying his best to paint a picture that the jury could relate to. 
and he goes and he talks about how Maggie and Paul were at the kennels and, you know, the timeline of everything, which I thought was really important. The most compelling aspect of his closing statement was he uh, presented an actual timeline, mm-hmm. which in a case like this, like where you have where your entire case hinges on the credibility of the state's pro- um, timeline versus the defense's timeline. It was uh, it was everything. But they get into it. At 8.44 p.m., they go through the text messages from Paul, and he's texting back and forth with some girl. And um, it was sad. I mean, Paul's like 22 years old. Yes. And so he was talking to some girl um, that I have no idea what his relationship was to her or not. Um, But he was talking to her, and they were texting about movies. Mm -hmm. What's a good movie to watch? And um, the movie that he chose was some country music Singer movie, the one with the, uh, you know what I'm talking about? It had a, what's that singer in it? Mm, Lady Gaga? A Star is Born. Lady Gaga, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, the yeah. Kind of, that movie. He was mm-hmm. talking about that movie, which yes. I tried to watch. I really did try I to watch. I watched it. I fell asleep. <laughs> and so there's no way I was going to stay awake, awake for that. But, you know, some people like it. But that's yeah. somehow they were talking mm-hmm. about that movie. And then he's talking to his friend, Roger, um, on the phone and they're, well, they're texting back and forth mm-hmm. and they're talking about the dog and other stuff. Um, and they go from 844 up until about 849. And then the last text message, he's about to send a video to his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his phone goes silent. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I thought that uh, Creighton Waters at that point did a fantastic job in the way that Creighton Waters can do of painting the picture of he's on his phone and there's no defensive wounds. Mm-hmm. There's no defensive wounds. The shot came out of nowhere. We know that uh, Alex Murdoch was there at the kennels because he's come now to finally admit mm-hmm. it. The first time, you know, this happened back in 2021, and the first time that he actually told anybody that he was actually at the kennels was on the witness stand when he tried to tell you guys that last week. Mm-hmm. And his, his his response for that was, well, I'm a drug addict and I was paranoid and I'm a liar. And once I started lying, I couldn't stop lying, which was an interesting defense mm-hmm. when credibility is everything in a case like this. I mean, well, that's what he said. Mm-hmm. So, you know that he was out there and then you get the last text message from Paul and you get the shots and then he reenacts the shots. And then he goes into the story about how um, Maggie was out there and she heard the gunshots mm-hmm. and she goes running towards her baby and she's painting this picture. And people that were in the courtroom had uh, observed that it kind of got the jury, especially the mm-hmm. some of the, the women, the older women, yes. you know, the mothers, it kind of hit them right, hit them right in the yeah. feels. And uh, she went to her baby. And as she got there, she saw what she saw with Paul. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she was herself murdered um, in a brutal style. And she was trying to run away. You know, she fell mm-hmm. down flat on her back, gun to the back of the head. Lights out for Maggie. Um, that was the timeline. Mm-hmm. The best defense that Alex had was, well, I had an alibi. I was at my mom's house. Yeah. Well, he didn't know until he was presented with uh, a video by interrogators. Um, maybe a couple of months after the murders, we were sitting in that interrogation station. Mm-hmm. He's asking, am I a suspect? And they're asking about the clothes. And, you know, he sees for the first time that there is a, uh, well, there's a cell phone with you, mm-hmm. you know, and it has your voice on it. And he actually comes clean finally at this trial uh, to tell everybody that, yeah, I was at the kennels. I was at the kennels. Only because he got caught. Well, he got caught. And so yeah. that's, that's, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
he didn't give the best closing argument. Mm -hmm. And if you think, if we're analyzing closing arguments and you listen, and we're going to listen to some bits and pieces to it because I think it's worth looking at at least uh, some of the highlights. Um, If you listen to his style, what is his style? Who is Creighton Waters? Creighton Waters, if you could draw up a textbook prosecutor, Mm -hmm. you know what they would look like? They would look like Creighton Waters. This is the bald head, you know, the mean face, mm-hmm. always mean mugging everybody. He's got the, you know, that that stare. He's got the prosecutor stare, mm-hmm. and he's got that prosecutor tone, which is, you know, completely judgmental, you know, void of any empathy, you know, stick up the ass. Mm-hmm. Not the guy that you want to hang out with at a, at a cocktail party. <laughs> like, you get up there, and you're you're sitting with the guy, and you're having a beer, and it's kind mm-hmm. of awkward conversations. Like, hey, so, you caught that Laker game? No, I don't watch mm-hmm. basketball. It's like, all right. I'll catch you later then, bub. <laughs> you know, and then you're going to go on your way. Um, yeah, that that's Creighton Waters. And mm-hmm. I don't I have no idea about that. I'm just, I'm completely judging him off of uh, his, his uh, prosecutorial style. Exactly. He might be delightful. He could be, mm-hmm. you know, the life of the party for all I know. <laughs> I'm just saying um, that he has a style and yes. it kind of, it's, it's, it's his style. He's a pencil pusher. He's mm-hmm. a workaholic. He had a shit ton of evidence that he was wanting to get out today or today during this trial. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was the financial stuff. And there's going to be, there's been some mention that maybe because he got so deep into the financial evidence mm-hmm. that it's grounds for appeal. I don't think it is because the entire one of the themes of the prosecution's case was very clearly mm-hmm. that he was down on this downward spiral. And here's all the reasons why, and here's all the financial evidence. And, um, it was one of the reasons why he just lost his mind there at the end. Mm-hmm. Plus, adding the fact that he was on drugs, that Alex Murdoch got on the stand and said, you know, he's going through withdrawals, um, that Paul had found his pills, and that, you know, he was the little detective, and then he was going to expose his drug habit. And um, you have grounds for a guy that's just lost his mind. Mm-hmm. Not even a month or two later, he goes and tries to do, and try to concoct some kind of insurance scheme yes. to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that Creighton Waters did a really good job of trying to just lay that out. He started with, mm-hmm. um, the Satterfield case. Okay. So he had an umbrella insurance policy and the, the Satterfield money mm-hmm. used up all of it. And so there was no more money for that. And so this bow case that he was, you know, uh, probably going to be liable mm-hmm. for, um, well, there was nothing more to cover it, and plus all of the financial crimes, and so blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go into it. Creighton mm-hmm. Wander's already spent <laughs> a lot more time than I'm willing to go <laughs> on it. But that was their theory of the case. What I was surprised that they mm-hmm. didn't go into was if Alex, and there was two separate uh, closing statements from the, mm-hmm. the prosecution. You know, there was Creighton Waters when mm-hmm. he gave his his version of it. And then Mr. Metters got on there uh, to offer the rebuttal closing argument to the defense. Okay. Neither one of them got into the possibility was, well, if he was so hopped up on drugs mm-hmm. and he was paranoid and he was not of his right mind and his son was going to uh, threaten to uh, send him to rehab or mm-hmm. force him to withdrawal or whatever, um, then maybe his paranoia led him to the murder of his wife and son. Mm-hmm. They didn't go into that, which mm-hmm. in retrospect, I think was probably the right call because we don't have any evidence of yeah. that. That makes a lot more sense given his conduct uh, that he didn't do that. And so mm-hmm. if they, one of the things Mr. Matters went on to point out today was looking at him during the interrogation, mm-hmm. 
Does he look like he's paranoid? It looks like me like he's communicating <laughs> yes. just fine. He knows yes. where he is. He knows who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. He knows how to be cordial. He's still got that Southern charm. He's mm-hmm. pretending to cry. Um, he's being, you know, his typical lawyer self, mm-hmm. you know. He doesn't seem like a paranoid schizophrenic that's mm-hmm. out of it because he's going through withdrawal symptoms from powerful opiates. And so I reject this idea that he was too paranoid. And so, which is right. That's the right call. Um, you know, the two gun thing, we didn't really get into that. Uh, well, the, I mean, they did. He used two mm-hmm. guns. They didn't offer explanations why. And I thought that the mm-hmm. closing statements from the prosecution was really good. And look, I don't got to tell you why he did it. You just got to look at the common sense. Mm-hmm. At 844, Paul and Maggie were alive and well. At 845, 846, Alex was right there with him. Mm-hmm. You heard it on his voice. Seven people came to testify, and Alex himself told you he was there, and he was lying about it. He didn't let anybody know about that until he was sitting here on the witness stand. At 849, we know that that's the last activity of uh, the um, of Alex, I'm not Alex, of Paul and Maggie's phones mm-hmm. because they had been murdered around that time. And then mm-hmm. he goes into this hyperdrive about trying to um, establish an alibi, hide clothes, and all of this stuff. They did a really good job, I thought, of tying that all together. And it's kind of what I was trying to, because if you try to focus on the motive in mm-hmm. this case, I feel like it's a trap. Yes. It is a trap. <laughs> because you're not going to, it doesn't make sense. Why would he kill his son? His life didn't make sense. So it's like how he behaved and all of the, thing, all the things that he was doing, they didn't make a lot of sense. So why would the motive also make sense? Like, I don't think we're ever going to find something. Well, I think that if, I, I think that... I what mean, makes sense to me is this, that he, Alex, mm-hmm. and the jury's not going to be able to hear any of this, mm-hmm. but you and I watched that documentary mm-hmm. about him, about the pool that he had in that community. He was freaking law yes. enforcement. Yeah. He was uh, the assistant uh, attorney general there in mm-hmm. the estate. He had prosecutorial ties. Um, he carried his badge all over the place. Mm-hmm. And if you watched how he maneuvered in the uh, in the boat case, yes. he was there the night of. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, talking to the parents and, you know, being very manipulative. Mm-hmm. He's like, listen, your boy was driving the boat, but I'll tell you what, we're going to keep this from getting out of control. And he was like making it a point to make sure that Paul mm-hmm. wasn't driving the boat. It was this mm-hmm. other kid. And then they were getting really frustrated with him. But he's going there to try his best to cause confusion mm-hmm. and muddy those waters, mm-hmm. which, you know, doesn't appear to have worked. But he tried. Um, and he did a very similar thing here. He's trying to confuse yes. everything and he's going, he went to all of the witnesses and this is what he does. That was his MO. <laughs> in the boat case, he goes to all of the witnesses. Mm-hmm. He went to all of the kids and he goes to the parents and he's trying to, you know, assert his presence mm-hmm. in that case. In this case, and uh, Mr. Metters did a really good job of pointing it out, that he goes to Shelly Smith mm-hmm. and he goes and asks her if she's getting married. Mm-hmm. And then he asks her if uh, she needed any money, needed any help. What could I do for you? You know, mm-hmm. trying to buy her testimony. Oh, and by the way, I wasn't there like at 950. I was like there like 855, wasn't I? No, you don't you remember? You remember. Yeah. Don't you remember doing that kind of number, right? And then he does the same thing mm-hmm. to Blanca, uh, the housekeeper. He's like, hey, do you remember that Vinnie John shirt or whatever that I was wearing? Mm-hmm. I wasn't wearing that one, right? He's like, no, you were wearing that one. I, I actually had to fix the collar. I remember very specifically. <laughs> so, But he's going to the witnesses and trying to manipulate mm-hmm. their testimony or at the very least cause them to doubt their yes. memory. 
And um, so this is what I know. That's what I know about mm -hmm. him. He's a manipulator. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I know about him that has been commented on by a lot of other people is that he's a really um, charismatic speaker. Mm -hmm. He's got that distinct voice, yes. the Fozzie Bear voice. Mm -hmm. But he knows how to use his voice and just make him sound like he's just like, oh, this, the all shucks, mm -hmm. South Carolina, you know, whatever, Southern draw. And, you know, we're all friends and come have dinner at my house, biscuits mm -hmm. and gravy. Um, all the while, he's over here playing 3D chess with uh, the evidence in the case. That is Alex Murdoch. Mm -hmm. And I thought that one of the challenges on cross-exam that Creighton Waters had, people are criticizing Asking why didn't he ask him this and why didn't he ask mm -hmm. him that? Creighton Waters had one job during that cross examination, and that job was specifically to establish that Alex Murdoch is a liar. Mm -hmm. And for like eight hours, you know, two days mm -hmm. of cross examination, he did. So, isn't it true that you lie to your partner mm -hmm. and you sat down and you're across the table and you looked him in the eye and you told a bold faced lie and then you stole all those money? And then what about this person? You mm -hmm. did the same thing and you looked him right in the face and you were smiling while you did it. Well, I don't know if you were smiling. Oh, well, you're smiling right now. <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to smile, sir. It was going on back yes. and forth like that. And he did that for like six hours, just mm -hmm. driving home. It's like, okay, we get it. Alex Murdoch is a liar, mm -hmm. which people get frustrated over. It's like, okay, we get it. Move on. But the effect of all of that is like, what did you learn? Well, obviously, Alex Murdoch is a liar. Mm -hmm. In the moment, it, it feels bad because it's you feel like he's he's losing people. Yeah. But if you ask people to recall what is the main theme of the cross-examination of Alex Murdoch, he's a liar and not to mm -hmm. be trusted. If that's what your takeaway is, then you can't say the Creighton Waters did a bad job on mm -hmm. cross. Job. If you were to ask him about the blood evidence, mm -hmm. why was there no blood on your shirt? Why was there no blood on your pants? Mm -hmm. Well, Alex would have an explanation for oh, it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the thing that was happening in that cross-examination was you had two attorneys, mm -hmm. two prosecutors really, sparring with each other. Because Alex, for what he had to work with, was mm -hmm. a fantastic defense witness. Mm -hmm. He gave all, I mean, as best as he could. I mean, he was charming. Mm -hmm. um, he was doing his best not to lose his cool, and he didn't. Um, he was being very apologetic. He seemed at parts uh, very genuinely emotional, you know? So, and his whole theme was, look, yeah, I lied. Mm -hmm. I, I had a lot of problems. I had a lot of issues. No, I'm not proud of it. And yes, I did this. I'm, I'm, I've never denied that. I'm owning up to it right now. Mm -hmm. And yes, I lied about the kennels because I was nervous about sled and I was nervous about uh, whether or not they're looking at me as a suspect. And I was paranoid because I was on these drugs, but I haven't been on drugs mm -hmm. for five and a half months. And now I finally had the courage to tell to you, yes, I was at the kennels, but no, I did not kill my wife mm -hmm. or my son. And um, if you didn't have Creighton Waters there, the prosecution there, you might fall for that. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that um, from eyewitness accounts, he caught the hearts of a couple of those jurors. Oh, yes. And um, they believed him. I don't think majority of them believed him. Mm -hmm. But a couple of them did. And if the prosecution can't convince those two or three that Alex mm -hmm. Murdoch was a liar, well, then this is going to be a hung jury. Mm -hmm. No chance for acquittal. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it doesn't even really matter because he's going to he's admitted to all the financial crimes mm -hmm. and he's facing life in prison on the financial crimes alone. And so we'll see uh, what happens with that. Oh, Lisa says, uh, why did John List kill his family? Oh, um. I don't know a whole lot about the John List case. You know anything about the John List case? No. 
I know bits and pieces of it here. I haven't even done uh, much of an examination, but she's saying she's implying and that is the same thing here. Yeah, money is one of the reasons why people kill oh, yeah. family members. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, yes. it's a, if you are married to somebody and they take out an insurance policy with you, well, don't go up to the <laughs> mountains with them anytime <laughs> soon or get in the car or just, you know, you might want to, look, money uh, corrupts all. Yes. And what was happening with Alex is by his own admission, he had a hefty drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Um I've heard it pointed out that even that statement doesn't really hold water, which it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But um, he's saying that he, the reason why he committed all of those financial crimes was because of uh, his drug addiction. And they said, well, for the amount of drugs that he, uh-huh. the money that he stole, that was enough for like 120 years worth of yeah. uh, oxy or something like that. It was also, it was because it, it wasn't just the drugs. It was, no, he was, a, it was average too. I mean, he, he wanted to keep a specific lifestyle. And well, he was millions of dollars in debt. Yeah. And um, he wasn't going to be able to pay off all of his debts. Mm-hmm. And um, I forgot where your camera... Oh, there you go. One in four. I'm fiddling with my software over okay. here. <laughs> yeah. No, he was, uh, he was trying to... Um, he was drowning in debt. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what the prosecution did well. Lisa says uh, he was underwater financially. Yeah. And he killed mm-hmm. his family because of the impending shame. No one saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Here's what I know about lawyers. Lawyers are used to being the authoritative voice in the room. Mm-hmm. We get used to it, especially the longer that we're, we're, we're doing this. Yes. Even sometimes when we're in court, when the judge is there, we're mm-hmm. still the voice of authority. Mm-hmm. You know, the judge just calls balls and strikes. When I worked at the DA, as a matter of fact, one of the things that I learned, because you have this fear of the judge when mm-hmm. you start out and my first court appearance, I wasn't even an attorney. I was like my second year in law school and I was being supervised by the D and I was arguing mm-hmm. like preliminary hearings and yes. uh, motions to compel, motion to compel, um, suppress and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I ever got was from one of my favorite DAs and he told mm-hmm. me that, hey, don't be afraid of the judge. Mm-hmm. They don't have all the answers. They're not they the don't. smartest people mm-hmm. in the room. They're just there to call balls and strikes. Mm-hmm. You're the one that has the correct arguments. You go mm-hmm. in there, you argue your piece, and if the judge rules against you, well, he was wrong. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. your mentality. And so you're taught to think that way. Mm-hmm. But what does that create? It creates this image that you get used to where whenever you speak, people listen. Mm-hmm. Very rarely are you challenged. And when you're challenged, you don't care because you're taught to disregard, yes. you know? <laughs> and so for Alex, the thought of, he just got disbarred. Mm-hmm. He just got kicked out of his law firm, which we learned was started by his grandfather back oh. in like 1910. You're talking about oh, three yes, generations yes. of, uh, of attorneys, mm-hmm. his grandfather, and then his dad. And then Alex, you know, was the third mm-hmm. generation. I think a uh, buster was going to you know, going to law school to be the fourth yes, generation. Yes, in law school too. And they got all of those years, 110 years of running a law firm. And then Alex comes along and tears it all down mm-hmm. by his greed. And now he's going to have to face his family and he's facing a divorce. And Paul was running around being a little asshole, getting himself yes. in trouble. And, <laughs> you know, he got himself in this boat case mm-hmm. and killed a girl and he's having to cover up for that. And he's millions of dollars of debt and there's not a viable way out. Mm-hmm. Whatever Alex was going to do next, unless he was going to turn himself in, was not going to be rational. Oh no! What would the rational thing to what uh, what would what would be the rational thing to do in Alex's situation? 
there's not really a good not way really out. Good okay, way so out. let's say, look, I'm going to fess up to it. I'm fessing up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell my wife, look, I know you want to get a divorce, but we don't have any money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his legacy is a big thing. Yes. Legacy is not a, a big thing to a lot of people. And I'm not sure if many, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be mm-hmm. responsible for 110 years of litigation in yes. a law firm. My law firm has been around for like four or three or something like that. <laughs> but as is, well, yours is just starting as well. Yeah. But um, when you're responsible for that legacy, mm-hmm. imagine the pressure. So many years. You're going to be the one to tear it down. Mm-hmm. And so part of your entire identity, he's 54 years old, part of his entire identity mm-hmm. was being this pillar of society, being mm-hmm. able to walk and talk with law enforcement and put his influence over the entire state. And um, his law partner said that, yeah, he was a very theatrical lawyer. And I could see that. <laughs> yes. I could see that. I thought that he um, was probably the best lawyer out of his defense team, okay. Alex. Yeah. Um, I thought that Dick was great. I was a little disappointed that Dick wasn't the one to give the... Uh, Closing statement. Closing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, Jim Griffin, which who was terrible, by the way. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, but at any rate, uh, Lisa and the house. Yeah, the house was in his wife's name only. And um, oh. I had wondered about how that was going to work. Okay. Um, because of the fiduciary duty owed to spouses. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's losing the house, you know, mm-hmm. what would be the fallout? You know, was, Exactly. I don't know. But the point was, he was going to be disgraced mm-hmm. and um, there was a reckoning. And so, does it make sense what he did? No. No. But very few people, when they evaluate extreme behavior, are able to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. I've seen some things in practice. Mm-hmm. I've seen attorneys do things that don't make sense to me. I disagree with it. I, don't, I can't speak for another man's, man's actions. All I know is... Between 844 and 850, he was there with Paul and Maggie, Mm -hmm. and Paul and Maggie ended up dead. And when they came back, you know, to figure out who did it, and he's on the phone with 911, and he's talking about the cops, he's like, oh, my God, I was just with my family. Wouldn't it make sense? Like, okay, let's just say, Mm -hmm. let's just say that you were at the kennels, Mm -hmm. and your husband and your son got murdered. Would you tell the cops that you were there at the kennels? I would. I was just there. Something I don't know who's out there. Somebody's mm-hmm. out there. But I was just there. I just came back. Mm-hmm. I need somebody. I need everybody down here. I need a manhunt mm-hmm. in the woods. They couldn't have gone far. It's only been so much time. None of that. He goes mm-hmm. in immediately talking. Well, there's this boat case, and Paul was getting harassed mm-hmm. online and in person and all of this stuff. And you know who did a really good job of bringing that up? Mm-hmm. Mr. Metters. Mm-hmm. Mr. Metters is the all-star, um, in my opinion, the mm-hmm. best in terms of closing arguments. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> the most charismatic. He was the guy. Remember I talked about that the most important thing in a, in a criminal trial, mm-hmm. in a jury trial, not just a criminal trial, is you have to be the one that's most relatable. Mm-hmm. I can't relate to Creighton Waters. I respect him because he's mm-hmm. a really good lawyer and he's really good at finding out financial stuff. Um, Dick Harpulian, seems delightful like he sounds like he has like all kinds of stories that he would tell like he would go and he'd be like grandfather and mm-hmm. tell you about 30 years ago when I was just a young buck attorney coming up and he'd have mm-hmm. all these crazy stories um I would hang out with him I'd have a beer with him a whiskey mm-hmm. or two and a cigar um but Creighton Waters nah no I don't no. think <laughs> I think I'd ask him about the Dodger game and then just be on That's my way it. yeah and say well I said hi I did my duty um but this other guy Mr. Metters mm-hmm. um accomplished that. Mm-hmm. Now he wasn't in the style of Dick Hart Putlian because Dick Hart Putlian is very flashy. He's a politician. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he's very flashy in like a celebrity attorney kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Metters comes more like he's a from from the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. I stand you, and this is the best job in the world. I'm a prosecutor. And he goes on to talk about just relating. There was one point in his uh, closing argument where somebody was like not paying attention. Hey, I need your attention right here. This is mm-hmm. important. And he gets them, but not in a disrespectful way. Yes, what he was saying was important. But if there's anything that stuck with the jury mm-hmm. that caught their attention, it would have been that. It was going to be him. Because mm-hmm. everybody else is droning on. Jim Griffin, gosh, I listened this morning um, to his entire closing argument in the background as I was doing mm-hmm. other stuff. I don't remember what he said. I really don't <laughs> That's remember not good. what he said. I took some notes, <laughs> but I remember. Like, there's mo- there's moments from Creighton's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's six hours of fluff. But then there was this key moment where he's bringing in mm-hmm. and Maggie was going after her baby. You know, he has that mm-hmm. that ground moment. Jim Griffin didn't have anything like that. It was literally the worst defense mm-hmm. TV trial I've ever seen. Uh, closing argument I've ever seen. And then, um, yeah, I was disappointed that Dick didn't give that closing. But Miss, uh, Mr. Metters mm-hmm. was fantastic. Uh, let's take a listen to some of it. Oh, and by the way, so let me just go through some of my notes. This morning, mm-hmm. uh, there was a juror who was dismissed. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if there, uh, it was hard to make out what was going on. She had inappropriate comments, conversations with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was sled agents or somebody, but there was a complaint from the public that made its way to the judge and the judge made everybody aware. And they said, look, mm-hmm. I talked to everybody. I talked to the juror. I don't think she did anything wrong, but to avoid the yes. appearance of impropriety, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to let this one go. It was juror number 785 and she was replaced by one of the alternates. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then there was this moment in the courtroom right before we got into closing statements, uh, that she left her eggs <laughs> in the, uh, in the, um, in the courtroom. Um, let's take a listen to this one. Let me know if you could hear that. A little bit. There we go. Outside of. You left some stuff in there? What do you have in there? A dozen eggs. Say it again? A dozen eggs. A dozen eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the voice of the juror right there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you're going to leave the eggs. You want to leave the eggs or take the eggs? You're going to take the eggs. <laughs> They're expensive right now. I know. Like $8 a dozen or something. Uh, her purse and what else? And a bottle of water. You can get those things from the jury room. Um, we get a lot of interesting things, but now a dozen eggs. <laughs> <laughs> We'll give them, uh, uh, give her a chance to leave or, or to take her. She's gone? Yes, okay, very good. Any, anything else before the jury comes? We picked an alternate. I think everybody's just in a good mood because they knew that this was going to be the last day. Yes, that's another thing, yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. So, yeah, when Jim got up to do his closing statements, like, you could just tell, like, mm-hmm. he just seemed tired. Mm-hmm. Jim Griffin seems tired, exhausted. And um, I don't know if you've ever felt during a, the longest jury trial I've ever done was three weeks, Mm -hmm. three weeks. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Like every molecule of your brain Mm -hmm. has to be firing 
for 24 yes. hours a day. There's no rest. There's no lunch. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you got, you're usually start around 9 30, 10 AM mm -hmm. and then you go to lunch and then from 12 to 1 30, you're probably in your notes. Yes. Looking over notes. the case. Like I don't got time to eat nothing right mm -hmm. now. And plus you don't want to be tired going mm -hmm. in cause you got to perform. And then from one to one, four 30 or however long you go. And it's day after day of that. And then mm -hmm. when you're, um, after the hearing, you're at night in your office, you're at home, you're going through everything else. Mm -hmm. Every single day is like that. I can only imagine six weeks. I'd be so exhausted. <laughs> Luckily, they got other people that are there trying the case with them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm not sure what they would do. Uh, but yeah, they've been, uh, Creighton Waters, he started just like very sleepy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he did his best. Um, but I can understand. I, I could just, I see that, that fatigue setting mm -hmm. in. Um, more of the highlights get out of this other than uh the dozen eggs things mm -hmm. um let's see there was the mysterious oh yeah so this is creighton waters this is where he had his uh, he was at his best there's a lot of stuff from kate and uh, creighton waters uh, prosecutor breaks down there's he talks about the gathering storm leading up to the fall uh family murders where he's going to the this is what i was talking about mm -hmm. So Creighton Waters, individuals of his family and friends. Um, a couple of things to take note of. Um, number one, Creighton Waters um, stick up the ass demeanor. Nothing against him, mm -hmm. but you know he just has this very firm, assertive, judgmental prosecutor voice. It's good. It works. But I think in this case, this jury, that entire courtroom, mm -hmm. is begging for some kind of levity. Some somebody just mm -hmm. tell me a story, man. Like mm -hmm. can you stop yelling at me, <laughs> telling me who are the liars and stuff. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, almost every single juror has made up their mind about guilt or innocence in this case. And what I think is going on is if you think that Alex Murdoch is guilty, then, you know, you have certain opinions about uh, Creighton Waters' mm -hmm. delivery of the defense. Um, okay. He didn't do this or that. But I thought that what he did really well um, was go into his timeline, and I wanted to highlight it because it was the best aspect of mm. his closing statement. Uh, let's take a listen. And law partners get on the stand and listen to that video and say, that's him on that video. Got on the stand for the first time and said, okay, I was there. He was forced into doing what he does all the time, and that's coming up with a new lie when he's confronted with evidence he can no longer deny. And the only reason he did that, the only reason he did that is because all those witnesses at that witness stand said, yeah, that's him. He's there. Why would he lie about that, ladies and gentlemen? Why would he even think to lie about that if he were an innocent man? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why would he even think about that? But he got on the stand, and he told you a story, and we're going to talk more about that story in a minute. But his story was was that he didn't want to go down there, and then he went down there, and, and he went down there really quick and got carried the chicken and went straight back, and he can't remember anything about what he talked about with Maggie. Right. He can't remember their conversation at dinner, but he's, he's dadgum sure about the fact that he went down there and went straight back. But even if you give him the benefit of the doubt, his story doesn't make sense. Because that kennel video is 50 seconds. It's over at 8.45.45. Even if you give him the benefit of the doubt that he could take care of the chicken and maybe the fastest dog and chicken 
chase ever <laughs> and put that chicken up and not say a word to Maggie and Paul and get on that golf cart yeah. and drive all the way back to the house, where does that put you? It puts you right at 849, at which point he claims he went inside and he managed to doze for a second. But then he's up at 902, perhaps the quickest nap ever. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, a new story to fit facts he can no longer deny. Mm -hmm from a person who not a single person who was close to him knew who he really was. Not a single person close to him hadn't been lied to by this man. And I would submit to you that this one is the most blatant one yet. And we'll talk more about that in a second. What happened at 849? Y'all been to the scene. That feed room door is probably big. Yes, yeah, so yesterday morning they all went to the kennels yes. to observe. They were there for like an hour and a half, a couple mm -hmm. hours. They took a look at the kennels. They were they surveyed the entire yard and this wooded area on the outside of the mm -hmm. of the property. They were there for a little bit, but this is what he's talking about. Tighter than this. But you saw the evidence from Kenny Kinsey and all the rest of them that clearly Paul was in. The middle of that feed room. It's a kill zone. Nobody in there with him. He's in that room. No defensive wounds at all. His hands are down. And he takes that shot, buckshot to the chest. And any person who did that would probably think that took care of business because this buckshot, but for some reason he was canned this way and it went through. It was a million to one shot. That it didn't kill him. Alec thought it did. Alec, the lawyer, Alec, the prosecutor, Alec is thinking through that we'll see he's manufacturing. I'm going to pause that right mm -hmm. now. His face. Because Elisa says that there's something going on in the courtroom. Oh. That they are gathering. If there's a verdict, I'm going live with it right now. That's. That would be a that first. Would, that would be super fast. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, well, I see me live. I'm looking for the. I got to find the. I need. Let me go with a long crime feed. I just want to see what's going on. If they're coming back with a jury, then he's guilty. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's no way they're coming back with a... a, a... Well, I'm, I'm live with the feed right now. And I don't see that they are doing anything. They're sitting there. What's the last thing that they said? I just said that we'll be right back. Well, okay. I'll tell you what. Well, I'm live on law and crime. Mm -hmm. If they come back... Uh, somebody give me a heads up, and I'll go live, and we'll cover the verdict together. No way they're doing that, right? There's no, there's no way. I I don't know. That's but she said that they declined dinner, which is interesting. Oh. Meaning most jurors that have been in trial for six weeks, mm -hmm. when it's time to go home, let's just go home. And we'll think it over, mm -hmm. sleep on it. That tells me they probably took an initial poll, and they're probably like 10 to 2 or 11 to 1 in favor of something, Right. And they need to sleep on and it. And they think that there's a chance they're going to come with the verdict. And so mm -hmm. that means that everybody's on call. And just the protocol, if you've ever been in a jury trial, mm -hmm. if you are a party to a jury trial that mm -hmm. where a verdict has come down in a criminal case, all of the attorneys and all of the parties have to be within like 15 minutes of the courtroom. Because mm -hmm. yeah. they call you in, get your You're ass there. Mm -hmm. There's a jury. And so I remember um, last try I didn't, trial I did in Riverside mm -hmm. when the when the jury's deliberating just sitting around I was like well I'm just driving around can't <laughs> go anywhere and I'd be like at Starbucks 
And so that's what the attorneys are doing right now. But um, I'm going to um, monitor that. If you guys find out, everybody that's watching, that they are going live, could you just let me know in the chats? And, I, and thank you, Lisa, for letting me know. Uh, so my mom is on the chat. She says, oh. guilty. <laughs> What's up, mom? <laughs> Um, how can it be hung after? No, not hung. If there's a if there's a verdict right now, mm-hmm. um, there is a verdict of guilt. Mm-hmm. There's no way to there, there's no chance that it's a three hour deliberation and an acquittal. Mm-hmm. But whenever there's a quick verdict like that, it's usually well, obviously he's guilty. Mm-hmm. And so here's what I think happened. If that's true, if they declined lunch or dinner or whatever, they're mm-hmm. trying to work through the night because they think they're going to get to a verdict mm-hmm. and they want to be done. And so it's like 12 Angry Men right now. Have you ever seen that movie? 12 Angry Men? A long time ago, From like but the yes. 1940s or 50s. Humphrey Bogart was in it. And uh, it's this guy and it's 11 to 1 in favor of guilty. And this one guy mm-hmm. convinces all the other jurors that he's actually acquitted. And it was this, anyway, classic movie. One of my favorites. I had to actually watch it in, for one of my classes in my first year of law school. But was a long time ago. So. Oh, well, I, they, they did a remake of it like in the 80s or 90s, but the classic, you got to watch the old black and white. It's it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. I mean, it's a, you know, it's it's total like 40s, 50s mm-hmm. Dragnet style, uh, but check it out. It's a, but that's what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. If there is one, it's 11 to 1. That's my prediction. 11 to 1 in favor of guilty and they're trying <laughs> to convince the one and that's why Two. they skipped dinner. And so we'll see. But Let me see if I see anything here. Yeah, I'm looking at the law and crime. I have it live. And so mm-hmm. if it's there, okay. then we're going to find it. Woo! Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, breaking news. <laughs> All right, breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. A verdict has been reached. Holy South shit! Carolina what? Alec Murdoch. <laughs> oh, my. The Murdoch family has arrived at the... Oh my! And we are waiting to jump live. While we're doing this, I got my good friend, Let's go to the awesome feed. trial attorney, an extraordinary uh, person here at the Low Crime Network, Brian Buckmeyer. And I know that at some point in time, we're going to have Anjanette Levy. This is exciting. There's. Wow. This was going to be at least, can we go home mm-hmm. uh, or, or maybe a question, but it's a verdict. Wow. Real fast, less than three hours. Thoughts? Bob, I was, I was planning out my weekend. I'm like, over the weekend. <laughs> That's what I was doing. I was, getting, mm-hmm. I was getting ready to move on. All right. As soon as they go back in, like they're, they're, they're talking over mm-hmm. themselves. I'm, you know, um, verdict. Okay. If there's a verdict, well, they just said there's a verdict. There is, yes. Alex Murdoch is guilty. Alex yeah. Murdoch is guilty. And I'll tell you what, um, if he's guilty now, then what happened was the jury doesn't believe a word that Alex mm-hmm. has to say, and it doesn't make sense. Okay. So the defense was trying to say that it doesn't make sense that he would have this loving moment with Paul and they go mm-hmm. back to the kennel video. And I thought that, um, I'll just go through my, I'm going to try to get through them more quickly now. Cause enough of this, you know, with the, um, oh I psh, basically Jim Griffin gets on, the worst closing argument mm-hmm. I've ever seen from a defense attorney in a higher profile case. And he's talking about the lady of justice. He's talking <laughs> about reasonable doubt. He's telling, reminding everybody what the burden of proof is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote in my notes that he's falling flat. He's monotone. It's a shifty closing mm-hmm. argument, sort of like Alex. It's like, okay, but they didn't prove this and they didn't prove that. Mm-hmm. And maybe this and that, but you know, I know he said he was a liar and it was, um, if you see the judge come out, just let me yes. know. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> staring at it. That's like when you're waiting in court yeah. for the judge to come. I was like, okay, 
You're ready. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they have um, make sure the camera's on everybody. Yeah, we're on. Okay. So if uh, I forgot what, what was I saying? What was I just saying? Um, I don't know. This I is just the first <laughs> on the Tilt to Lawyer podcast. We have breaking news. We never covered something live. Oh, you this were talking the about the closing time. argument. Oh, for um, Jim Griffin. Yeah. Yes, so that he was super. He's just being really shifty. Yeah. He's not making any mm-hmm. points. He's just saying that, oh, state didn't prove its case and mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Look, it's, he's such a loving father and mm-hmm. he's going to. Um, like what? So he, he, he goes and has this moment and then just mm-hmm. blows his kid's head off. Mm-hmm. And um, that doesn't make any sense, which maybe it doesn't. But you want to know what doesn't make more sense than that mm-hmm. is the fact that he was the only one there. You haven't offered any possibility that it was anybody else. There's no other evidence exactly. to suggest it was anybody else. He's coming over here talking about a boat case. We don't haven't heard anybody mm-hmm. from the boat case that would do anything like this. He was the only guy there. He's the one that did it. It doesn't make any sense that he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Why he did it, hey, that's for psychologists okay. and the mm-hmm. FBI to figure out his personality profile. Mm-hmm. And that's what they will do if he's convicted. I guarantee it. They're going to write books about Alex oh, Murdoch. Yeah. Um, but that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So Jim Griffin, um, he talked about they were fabricating evidence against Alex. And he was talking about, um, oh, yeah, he was stretching with this one. So there mm-hmm. was evidence of high velocity blood spatter. Okay. That was initially reported to have been on the shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but what actually happened was there was two separate tests. Okay. Um, there was a hematrace confirmatory blood test that was done. There was a presumptive test, which mm-hmm. they run to like, is there anything on this shirt? Mm-hmm. And there's like droplets and it like gave a false positive or whatever. But when mm-hmm. they did the confirmatory report, it didn't show anything. Okay. And they're trying to say, well, see, they're fabricating evidence and making it up. Well, no, they weren't mm-hmm. because they would have brought in evidence and said, oh, there was definitely blood spatter. Mm-hmm. They investigated it. There was a positive test and they followed up and it was not positive. And so, and the other thing that he brought up was um, the raincoat with the GSR. Like, yeah, they found GSR on the raincoat. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep on thinking that's the judge. <laughs> no, no, I'm like. Me <laughs> in the court but you're going to give me the bat yes. signal, right? Yes. Okay. Um, they were talking about, oh, and he. Imagine you got a client in a case, mm-hmm. any of your cases, I don't care, probate, mm-hmm. family court, um, criminal, whatever. And what you have to work with is your, your, your client just got up on the witness stand and lied, said that he was a liar for six hours, mm-hmm. eight hours, based on what Alex did. Mm-hmm. How are you going to rehabilitate him? I've had this happen to me before in the past. <laughs> Literally, well, the most recent time was when one of my clients lied on their income and expense declaration oh. about their income. And you know how they figured out he was mm-hmm. lying? Because they pulled his loan documents when he got to buy a new car. I saw that recently in another case. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, so you said that you only make $40,000 mm-hmm. a year, but on this loan application, it says you make $120,000 a year. And they asked him, WTF? And, mm-hmm. his, and I'm like, your honor, listen, did he lie? Sure, he lied. But he was just trying to get a better interest rate. And it's mm-hmm. like, Mr. Serrato, first of all, your client is a liar. And I appreciate you trying to advocate for your guy. And uh, yeah, that's what happened with that case. So oh, wow. with Alex, yeah, he gets up on the stand and says, yeah, I was lying about that, but I was on drugs. I can't be trusted. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Is the point exactly. To that, right. Yeah. So, but that's, so that's what Jim Griffin had to work with. I guess I kind of sympathize with him with that, mm-hmm. but at the very least, I wanted him to be a little more charismatic and just tell me the story about mm-hmm. what a great daddy was and, um, how, you know, not only all of this, but now he goes and find his, his wife and his mm-hmm. son. And he's not thinking straight, which wouldn't have worked mm-hmm. because, um, Mr. Metters gets up there and he talks about 
he was in his right mind. Mm-hmm. Not only was in his right mind, but he was scheming. He was talking very intelligently mm-hmm. and fluently. Uh, he was able to recall certain things. Mm-hmm. He was able to recall what he wanted to recall and hide what he wanted to hide. Mm-hmm. If he was paranoid and out of his mind, he would have probably let out that he was at the kennels. You know, it's mm-hmm. hard to keep all those lies straight. He said it himself. What a tangled web we weave when first we set out to deceive. Alex said that line. And I told you that when yes. he said that line, I guarantee you the prosecutor is going to use that against him. And Creighton Waters <laughs> didn't let me down. So, at any rate, there was, um, yeah, he lied because he was in the, throat of, of the throes of addiction. Mm-hmm. And then he did bring up the kennels, the kennel videos. And he said, why wouldn't Alex want law, law enforcement to hear that conversation? Mm-hmm. And I wrote that that was kind of the best point he's made so far. I mean, if you're going to make a point, it doesn't make any sense. Cause I remember watching those videos for the first time. Mm-hmm. So here's Alex at the, uh, at the kennels and you, you, I would play the video if I had it on cue, mm-hmm. but I don't, but you hear him. He's like, ah, oh, Baba. And he's like playing with the dogs and you know, they're having like this really family moment. Like mm-hmm. you would go home, like nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. And they're like, how creepy how, how strange that is mm-hmm. that, you know, just seconds later, he's taking a gun, a gun and blowing his, his uh, wife and his son's head yeah. off, which is what he did. The reality of how quickly life can turn mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Oftentimes life doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. We try to make it make sense, but we're all just molecules in the universe. And um, looking to me, get, listen to me getting all philosophical <laughs> on the eve of, uh, of the verdict. Um, Gosh, I don't even know what to do myself. I've never had this happen on the show. I know. Like, I had a whole game plan, (laughs) and now I'm just thrown off. I keep looking at the monitor to see if they're going to do anything. Um, Yeah, so continuing with Mr. Griffin, um, he said that the prosecution had this, uh, we're throwing caution to the wind with no Mm -hmm. common sense, and they had this win-at-all-cost approach, um, and uh, which I just didn't. I wrote he wasn't scoring mm-hmm. points. Like, could this guy get on with it? Like, what are you trying to say? Like, what do you want me to focus mm-hmm. on? And they kept on saying that the prosecution's theory is as soon as the phone stopped working, it means that they're dead. Well, that's not what that means. And then I wrote in my notes, except they are dead. They, they are yeah. absolutely dead. Both of them. That's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. That was it. That was pretty much the crux of his, um, his closing argument. And it was lackluster. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to grade it, I would give it a D minus. Okay. He scored one one jab, not even a haymaker, not even a right cross. <laughs> it was a jab with the kennel point. It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's hard to fathom. Mm-hmm. But what's the alternative? The defense mm-hmm. never offered one. They, whoa. <laughs> that was so loud in my headphones. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I forgot what I was saying. What was the point I was making? That the only uh, good point or job that he made was uh, the one about the kennels. But other than that, everything. Yeah, Lisa agrees that uh, if Jim Griffin did a better job, I might lean towards a tossing, uh, like a toss-up. Which I agree, which I was mm-hmm. fully expecting Dick Hartputian to get up there. I was wondering, like, why they were letting Jim Griffin do so much of the cross-examination mm-hmm. when Dick is so much of a better presenter mm-hmm. of court information. Like when he gets into cross-examination, um, Hartputlian gets really animated mm-hmm. and his voice goes up and down and fluctuates the way that you need to when you're in mm-hmm. trial. I think what was happening with him is that he was doing it, but he's cross-examining lawyers and then we don't fall for mm-hmm. that shit. Lawyers, 
truth be told, are really good witnesses. We say what we want to say, <laughs> exactly. what we have to say. And he's trying to get, um, catch, he's trying to corner attorneys and cross-exam. Mm-hmm. He's getting all pissed off and it was backfiring because it just makes the defense look desperate. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they had Jim. I figured that was probably the reason. Mm-hmm. But the the time to unleash Dick would have been at closing statements. Jim was not the right, right guy to offer that argument. And so like Lisa just said, Lisa says that uh, if he did, if Jim did a better job, it might have gave him some more credence. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people are going to feel that way. Yeah, they were looking for if you're if you're looking for reasonable doubt, mm-hmm. you're looking for any reason to vote for the defense. Give me any reason to hang yes. my hat on. And Jim just didn't. He just fell completely flat. Uh, and, and so there's that. Um, yeah, his cross run. Poot is, yeah, Poot, yes, yes. And that's what I was getting at the, mm-hmm. with uh, Dick Hart Pootlian. Uh, he, he tried to cross-examine Ronnie Crosby, who's this attorney, mm-hmm. um, and he was just losing his cool. Like, he's trying to bully oh. an attorney on cross-exam, mm-hmm. and, like, he's, like, yelling at him and not giving him a chance. And I think he did the same thing with a sled agent. Um, every time, he would, he's not getting what he wants, and so he gets pissed off, and he starts bullying him. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a yes or a no. Is that what you're saying? And, you know, he's just getting mm-hmm. all animated, yes. and it's not coming off well. Mm-hmm. And most of the people that exa- that, that watched it um, didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. They just thought he was being rude and disrespectful. And That's not good because then they focus on him and not on the witness, which is... Yeah, but the, the perfect time to <laughs> unleash a guy like that is on closing exam. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got, you got fourth and goal on the one-yard line, you're not going to run the quarterback sneak with the punter. You got to bring in your guy to use a sports analogy. You got to uh, yeah, bring in Marshall Lynch. Football. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You need your fullback. You need somebody that's going to go in there and put their head down and, and move the pile. And that guy would have been Dick Hartpootlian. And, you know, uh, hindsight and all. But Jim Griffin was not that guy. Mm-hmm. Now, um, let's fast forward to the state rebuttal with mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Metters. One thing I noticed off the bat with him, mm-hmm. he didn't use any notes. Okay. Always, always intimidating mm-hmm. when the guy that you're going oh. up against. Uh-oh, we are live. <gasps> Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Oh, my. Be seated. I understand that there is a verdict. You may bring the jury. All right, here we go. He looks scared. Or preoccupied. Is the sound okay? Everybody in the chat, is the sound okay? I think they know I think I think they know he's guilty. Look at Alex's face. Yes, he knows. He knows. I've actually had a... uh, Thank you. Madam Ford, if you'll stand for me. 
Uh, have you reached a verdict? Yes, yes, sir, we have. Is it unanimous? Yes, sir, it is. All right, if you will pass it up to the clerk who will pass it to me. And you may be seated. He sure does look like he's about to vomit. Yes, he knows. The defendant will rise. Madam Clerk, you may publish the verdict starting with the back, not with the, let's see, I'll tell you again. Starting with the back, flipping them over one by one. Oh boy. <laughs> Docket number 2022-GS-15-00592, the State of South Carolina, County of Colleton, in the Court of General Sessions, in the term of 2022-July, the State versus Richard Alexander Murdoch Defendant, Indictment for Murder, SC Code 16-3-0010, CDR Code 0116. Guilty verdict. Signed by the four lady, 3223. Guilty AF. Docket number 2022-GS-15-00593. The State of South Carolina, County of Colleton, in the Court of General Sessions, the July term of 2022. The State versus Richard Alexander Murdoch, Defendant, Indictment for Murder, SC Code 16-3-0010, CDR Code 0116, Verdict Guilty, signed by the Four Lady, Date 3-2-23. Docket number 2022-GS15-00595, the State of South Carolina, County of Colleton, Court of General Sessions, July term 2022, the State versus Richard Alexander Murdoch, defendant, indictment for possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime, SC Code-16-23-0490. CDR code 0549, verdict guilty, signed by the foreperson of the jury, date 3223. Docket number 2022 GS-15-00594, the State of South Carolina, County of Colleton, Court of General Sessions, July term 2022, the State versus Richard Alexander Murdoch, defendant. 
Indictment for possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime, SC Code 16-23-0490, CDR Code 0549, verdict guilty. Signed by the foreperson of the jury, 3223. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, Madam Forelady and members of the jury, if that is the verdict of each and every juror, please let it be known by raising your right hands. All right, thank you. Any individual polling requested? Uh, Madam Clerk, you'll need to individually poll the ju jury according to their jury juror numbers. Number 193. Was this your verdict? Yes, sir. Is it still your verdict? Yes, sir. Juror 22, I'm sorry, juror 254. Yes. Is this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 326. Was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 6, juror 530, was this your verdict? Yes. Is this your verdict? Yes. Juror 544, yes. was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 572, was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 578, was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 589, was this your verdict? Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 630, was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 729, was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 826, was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 864, was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Your Honor, the jury has been polled. Thank you. Mm -hmm. The jury, jury has been polled, and the verdict is a unanimous verdict. If you will bring the alternate juror out and have her uh, have a seat in the audience, please. They only had one left <laughs> of the alternate jurors. I, I was wondering think what Buster's thinking. Look at him. He's like he's trying to Lisa cry, says he's thinking about uh, what he's going to have for dinner. <laughs> you can stand there or you can sit back there, whatever you prefer. Okay. <clears throat> Are there any post-trial motions? None from the state, Your Honor. We would just renew our previously um, uh, argued motions for a directed verdict, and at this on, on the grounds, <clears throat> on those grounds, we would make a motion for a mistrial and to set aside the verdict. Motion denied uh, by the state. Response, Your Honor. Based on our previous arguments, we would submit that the uh, case properly went to the jury and the verdict is proper, and we rely on those arguments. Uh, we've been here now 28 days, um, first few days of jury selection, and the remainder receiving testimony, uh, a, an overwhelming amount of testimony. 
and evidence that was presented to the jury for the jury's consideration. As I indicated to the jury during the jury charge, or the charge on the law, that this was a matter solely for jury, the jury to determine. Uh, the court found at the end of the state's case that there's sufficient evidence to find the defendant guilty if the evidence um, was believed by the jury. Uh, likewise, at the end of the, the uh, defense's case, when the motion was renewed, the court um, found that the evidence was sufficient for the jury to find the defendant guilty. The jury has now considered the evidence um, for a significant period of time, and um, the evidence of guilt is overwhelming. And uh, I deny the motion. Look how the sheriffs are all right there in case he tries to make you, a run for it. Yes. Murdoch, you now having been found guilty of two counts of murder involving your wife and your son, two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. Uh, the burden now comes upon the court to impose a sentence. Given the lateness of the hour and the victims' rights that must be um, taken into consideration and complied with under the Victims' Bill of Rights, and consider what I would anticipate to be a number of people who might have something to say regarding sentencing, mm -hmm. uh, we will defer sentencing to a later date. Of course, the um, minimum sentence for murder is 30 years. The maximum sentence is life imprisonment as to each count. And the on the weapons charge, the sentence is up to five years or five years, um, which has to be concurrent if a life sentence is imposed. When would you all like to uh, reconvene for sentencing? I would like to give everyone an adequate opportunity to prepare, prepare for it. Well, Alex's Seven schedule right is clear. Morning, mm -hmm. We could do it at 9.30 tomorrow morning also. All right. The, um, Keep on thinking tomorrow's to the custody of the Friday. Um, yeah, college. Mm -hmm. I was thinking today was Friday. <laughs> Sheriff's Department. There's nothing worse than losing a criminal case mm -hmm. and doing the sentencing hearing. There's no worse feeling. It just and everything sucks. Take them away. Take them away. That's such an unreal moment when you're mm -hmm. convicted and then the sheriffs just roll up on you like that from behind and they take you away where you're going to spend the rest of your natural mm -hmm. life. Wow. Now I think he's going to thank the Jerry for their service mm -hmm. and dismiss. 
Madam Floor Lady and members of the jury, I want to thank you on behalf of the citizens of the state of South Carolina and your fellow citizens of Colleton County. Uh, you did not volunteer for this service. You were uh, called upon by the being summoned to appear and Providence have brought you to this moment in time and these weeks in time. I know that all of you have been here at uh, great sacrifice, uh, particularly the um, juror whose job was on the line <laughs> until a miracle happened, I guess, that allowed him to be able to leave rather than to stay at rather than leave after uh, two or three weeks. Um, but I want to thank each one of you all individually and collectively. Uh, it's not often that you're called upon to uh, sit in judgment of the actions of your fellow man, but you all have responded. And um, it gave due consideration to the evidence. Um, I will make no comment now as to the uh, extent or the overwhelming nature of the evidence, uh, but certainly the verdict that you've reached is supported by the evidence, uh, um, circumstantial evidence, direct evidence, all of the evidence pointed to only one conclusion. That's the conclusion that you all reached. Uh, so I applaud you all for, um, as a group, and as a unit and individually uh, evaluating the evidence and um, coming to a proper uh, conclusion as you see, as you saw the law, as you saw the facts. Um, now that you've served for the next year, you're not eligible to serve again. Now, of course, <laughs> many people never get called upon, but you're not eligible for the next year and for two additional years uh, you can be exempted from service because no person is required to serve on jury duty in this court more often than once every three uh, years. Uh, tomorrow morning at 9.30, um, we will reconvene for sentencing. Uh, you all have no role in that because that's solely up to the judge, to me. Uh, you're welcome to come back if you want to and be a part of the audience. Uh, if you like. I also want to thank the alternate juror who was locked away <laughs> in a room by herself for these hours. Um, Imagine. Who, uh, who's hung in there during that period of time. I want to thank you as well. Um, Madam Clerk, what do you have to tell your jurors? Think we can release them tonight and bring them back in the morning. No, they're off jury duty. They can they can come back if they like. <laughs> and you don't have to if you don't want to. Um, typically, I've I've seen jurors uh, wanting to see the end result of a case once they've invested into mm -hmm. it. It's really an amazing thing. Uh, with juries. Uh, quite often at the start of the case, jurors are uh, 
it was like, whoa, why am I here? I wish I wasn't selected. But as time passes and the jurors, jurors become invested and really committed to the case and committed to seeing it through um, and are very disappointed when they are not able to see it to a conclusion. And then along the way um, of serving, you end up finding out quite a bit about our judicial system uh, and learning quite a bit, uh, well, about human nature for sure, uh, but also uh, about the presentation of evidence and hearing from expert witnesses and really learning a lot of things that uh, you'll be able to take with you when you leave jury duty. And to Madam Forlady, uh, I don't know if you were hesitant initially or not, but you have stepped up to the plate and done a great job of leading the jury as well. And thank all of you. So the jury is dismissed. If Now, one thing before you go, of course, um, we have <clears throat> invested a lot in maintaining the privacy of, of the jury of each one of you. And um, you are free at this point to discuss the case with anyone. And given the high-profile nature of the case, I'm certain that the uh, many people in the media would like, will probably want to uh, communicate with you, but they have no means of contacting you because under order that I issued, the identity of the jurors must be kept private. And if um, you decide that you want to speak with anyone, local, state, nationally, or internationally, uh, that's your prerogative. However, should anyone harass you, please let me know and I will address those issues. Uh, if anyone through the, uh, somehow or another, discover your identity and, and harass you, uh, and rest assured I will intercede on your behalf. That having been said, uh, you are free to communicate with whomever you might want to concerning the case from now on. And so with that, thank you, and you all are free to go. Yes. And, and it, as is my practice, I'll speak with the four person before you leave the building after talking to them back there. All right, so, well, that's that. What do you think I about know. that? <laughs> didn't expect that. Guilty I mean, I, I didn't, AF. not the very dead, but I, did, uh, I didn't expect it to be so fast. I mean, we were talking. I was shocked. I, just, I would have yeah. imagined that, you know what, let's just do it tomorrow. Like, I want to yeah. go home. But no, they they, they, they were, were done. Uh, <laughs> they didn't even ask any questions. They didn't. Wow. All right. So here's what normally happens after um, a jury trial. Mm -hmm. Usually, um, the attorneys may be given the opportunity to speak to the jury pool to just not poll them, but just ask them mm -hmm. questions. So yeah. why the guilty verdict? Like, what mm -hmm. was I missing? Like, what was missing from our case? Or what did we do right or wrong? And there's mm -hmm. like this whole... Um, review thing that happens 
And you learn a lot from that. You learn where you scored points. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the things that the jurors hold on to are the, the stupidest little things that you could of all the stuff that you, that the decision flipped on, it was that um, there's usually this polling that happens, but the juries are a main, they, they maintain their confidentiality throughout. Unless you're in the courtroom, you're not going to know who they were mm -hmm. in terms of like to the public and everything. Now, if they want to be found or they want to be seen or they want to sign up for uh, deals to interview with a whatever media outlet, um, then they can do that. But they're mm -hmm. supposed to be confidential um, until they make themselves not confidential. Exactly. Um, in this case, um, Lisa said that they, the camera panned over the jurors as uh, Alex Murdoch walked out, which I missed. Yeah. I don't know. That's, it was super fast. Oh, I didn't see it. You know, so I guess somebody could freeze frame and try yeah. to figure out and, you know. But it was like from the, um, from above. So you could see them, like their heads. Oh, what, like I the back of their heads Maybe or the profiles? The, the front row, you could see a little bit of their faces from well, what I I'm, saw. Here's what I predict. I predict that almost all of those jurors are going to try to find a, some kind of deal with the media. Oh, yeah, make some to, money out of it, yeah. Yeah, they're sitting here for six weeks. Why not? Mm -hmm. they, they got stuff to say, I'm sure. You know, I mean, you get, you're getting talked at for like mm -hmm. six weeks straight. I'd imagine they want to participate at some mm -hmm. point. So there it is. Um, and it looks like they are wrapping up, so I'm going to get out of that feed <laughs> and let's just go back to um, our regular thing. Um, yeah, so that kind of threw the entire show for a loop. <laughs> um We've never been live on no. air for like a real <laughs> piece of news. And we had a, we had um well, history was made on a Tilton Lawyer podcast yes. episode 29. Let this one all forever go down um, in the annals of whatever. You were just talking, I mean, as you were talking about it, like if we get a really fast bird, it's going to be guilty. And right there. Well, that's what happened. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's what happened. Okay. Obviously, he's guilty. Yes. I, think, I feel like it's So what do you guys think? Guilty? Well, obviously, he's guilty. Y'all yes. want to just turn it in? Let's turn it in. And they turned it in. And um, his face said it all. Like, he knew that. Well, he's going to turn such, it. He knows. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'm screwed. <laughs> God, every time. I mean, when you're a defense, you want the jury to come back, you know, to deliberate as long as possible. Yes. And then if it goes over a couple of days, mm -hmm. you're thinking, okay, well, this is a hung jury, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, but hours, three hours, <laughs> guilty AF. <laughs> That's how it works. Um, I didn't get a chance to address Mr. Uh, Metter's, uh, tremendous closing argument. Um, one thing I had mentioned, mm -hmm. and I'll get through this quickly. You've been on the air for like an hour, 18 minutes okay. already. And I got some feedback from the show that, Hey, you should keep your shows to an hour because mm -hmm. nobody's listening after an hour. Yeah. It's like, well, that's debatable, but we'll yeah. see. <laughs> well, some people, they watch the show. What I've learned is people watch this show in bits and pieces. Mm. Very rarely could you like sit through a whole hour, 45, like we did last week. Yeah. But like, um, I don't know. Um, I usually listen to podcasts when I'm in my car. Yeah. So I listen to everything in bits and pieces and like nothing's ever a full two, three hour run through. Um, but yeah, my apologies. If it's too long, I apologize, but mm -hmm. you have my full permission to watch us in, uh, you know, piecemeal. And uh, what I'm going to start doing with these live broadcasts is I'm going to start putting uh, timestamps on so you can skip to the yeah. part you want to get to. Um, I was doing that on the videos. I just figured out how to do it on the live stream, so I'm going to do it. At any rate, so Mr. Metters, he's given his closing statement. First impressions, not using any notes, and which is always an impressive thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you keep all of it in your head. Yeah. I do that. I do that. Probably 50% of the time. Yeah, it depends on the case. It, yeah, it depends. Because sometimes, 
like my notes were real smooth and mm-hmm. I could just like follow the outline and then, hey, everything worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. But then somebody says one thing and it throws the whole thing off. Yes. And it's like, F everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to do it from my, I'm going to do it from the cuff. And, but Mr. Matters did that from, uh, from Jump Street. Mm-hmm. And so he was, um, he was very effective in that. He got command of the juror. There was a juror that wasn't looking at him or paying attention to say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm right up here. Mm-hmm. And like snapping at her, but not snapping at her. Yes. Just like in a very Respectful. polite kind of mm-hmm. way. Just, hey, this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes on this whole thing about how dare they accuse law enforcement of not doing their jobs. When this effing guy was mm-hmm. actively obstructing justice, basically what he said, mm-hmm. he was lying to the cops for months. He's lying to the cops for months specifically to sabotage their case. And he has the audacity to come in here to say that we're not doing our jobs. The hell with that. And did an <laughs> outstanding job. Um, and I really feel like that. The whole liar thing. What did I say mm-hmm. very early on in the case when I boiled it down? Mm-hmm. And here it was, I was trying to go through this metaphor with you earlier mm-hmm. before we went on air, but I'll do it now. So you have a, 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 a trial that's six weeks long all of this information, all mm-hmm. the finances and all of this stuff. And people are going to, people are going to gravitate to what they gravitate to, mm-hmm. but ultimately they're going to remember the highlights. And in a case like this, I said very early on, you focus on one thing and you tell the jury, mm-hmm. if this is true, then this guy's guilty. Mm-hmm. And what was that one thing? The kennel video. Mm-hmm. If you think that that's Alex Murdoch's voice on the kennel video, mm-hmm. then there is no reasonable doubt because he lied about being there. Mm-hmm. And if he lied about being there, it's because he's trying to cover it up. And if you think he's a liar, then whatever BS that they're trying to pull and point mm-hmm. you in the, in, in the wrong direction, you have to disregard. Mm-hmm. Not reasonable, no reasonable doubt, the guy's guilty. And for the first two or three weeks until Murdoch gets on the stand and says, yeah, it was me. I'm mm-hmm. a liar. I lied. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And I guarantee you his defense team did not want him to testify because mm-hmm. he was going to. I don't like this idea, Alex, where you're just going to admit that you're a liar because now yeah. that kind of just takes away the mystery, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's what he did. Um, and if that's the honestly the strongest piece of all the other stuff with the gunshot residue and mm-hmm. whatever, you could explain away. Well, he covered it up. I think if, if the defense could have painted to one plausible piece of evidence that pointed to somebody that wasn't Maggie Paul or Alex mm-hmm. being present at the yeah. kennels, then you have reasonable doubt. Exactly. You can't do that, then I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. I think if in the kennel videos, I think if Alex got on this, if, if instead he just told him, yeah, I was there and then I left mm-hmm. and then I came back and they were gone. Mm-hmm. And hey, let's do a manhunt because there's woods all over mm-hmm. this area. There's all, whoever did this, I don't know if they're here now. I don't know if they're gone. I don't know if they made a run mm-hmm. for it, but I need everybody safe. I need my family safe. I need to call Buster. Don't come home. Mm-hmm. I need protection. I need, you know, whoever. But no, it's like he goes on to this rant about the boat case mm-hmm. and he goes on about this rant about the, the Secret Service Navy SEALs that was going to assassinate Black Panthers. That was oh. literally from the groundskeeper, right? <laughs> and then he's going in all, all this other, all these other directions mm-hmm. other than what you would probably do if you were to find yourself in a similar situation as Mr. Murdoch. So in this case, a lot of people, I mean, I was saying hung jury because I said, well, there's going to be at least one guy that believes this guy because, yeah. you know, but no, <laughs> sometimes juries get jurors. Uh, they're just not so uh, gullible. Mm-hmm. And um, they bought the state's case and they didn't buy anything that the, uh, that the uh, defense was selling. And mm-hmm. because I think they got it straight from Alex. Yeah. Yeah. I was lying. And once you lie, I just I just had to keep on lying. 
And so it's like, okay, so what point are you going to start telling the truth? Mm-hmm. I have no idea of what you're telling me right now is true or not. I mean, you're saying it because it's self-serving. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it came on. And the, I think the key part about all of that was you have Alex saying, I'm a liar, and he's changing his story. And the prosecutor did a excellent job of tying that. Well, the only reason the story is changing now mm-hmm. is because the facts keep changing. He's trying to change exactly. his lie to match the facts mm-hmm. because it's self-serving. And the jury kind of saw right through. Yeah. And so um, he goes on to talk about, oh, I'm in my notes, I'm reading mm-hmm. He's doing what Creighton Waters did not. He's telling the story. Mm-hmm. And that's all that Mr. Yes. Matters did. He just told the story. No notes. I don't want to talk about checks. I don't want to talk about all of his lies. We've done that. We beat it to death. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just talk about what happened. And he goes on, he goes on to tell the story. Um, he brings up uh, the bribe, the bribing of Shelly Smith. He talks oh, yes. about Blanca trying to convince her that she didn't see what she actually saw mm-hmm. as far as what he was wearing. Um They talked about the video of the tree, asked him, did he change? And then uh, he didn't know about that video. One of the things that he talked about was that Mm -hmm. video of the tree. Remember the the tree that was bending Mm -hmm. and he's wearing that polo shirt? Um, Well, prior to him knowing about that video, Mm -hmm. there was never any mention about a change of clothes, right? Mm -hmm. No, I was wearing this the whole whole day. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. And then they show him that video and then they ask him at what time it changed. And then the first question out of his mouth was, this is during the interrogation, Mm -hmm. was, well, what time was that video? Well, I guess it would have been after that then, wouldn't it? You know? Yeah. Trying to extract evidence mm-hmm. to try to, yeah. And so the prosecution did a really good job. Um, and then they brought up, why did he lie? Um, and then he they go on with his statements. I was paranoid. Once I lied, I continued to lie. Uh, the first time he ever told anyone that he was at the kennels was on the witness stand. And when you, guy, when you have a guy like that, you have somebody that you just can be believed. Mm-hmm. And so um, it went a certain way. And today it went uh, the way of the prosecution. And we have a guilty verdict. Mm-hmm. And um, thank goodness, because I'm so sick and tired of talking about the <laughs> Alex Murdoch case. Oh, every day it's like, it's compelling. It's like, you feel like you're missing stuff, but then you tune in mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, maybe I'm not really missing anything. They're still talking about checks. And so, um, I don't know. What do you think? Um, final impressions. Um... I don't know. I mean, I'm excited. I'm still like in disbelief that we got all this on live. I know. Uh, it's like, no. okay. Um, now we got to think about another case. Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> there's lots of other cases. There's the triple extension case. Oh, I don't know about um, that one. Oh, there's, well, that trial's going on. I haven't been paying any attention mm-hmm. to it. I haven't been doing any of the research, but there's plenty of cases. There's stuff going on with the Koberger case. Yes, that um, one. There was stuff going on with the... Uh, there's plenty of stuff. Yeah. We don't. I don't know if we have an active trial right now to cover. We got. There's. Mm-hmm. There, but there's plenty of other stuff to do. Um, but yeah, I think we're done with the Murdoch coverage, unless there's a reason mm-hmm. to. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the sentencing hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for the first time ever live, we came on air to talk about the closing arguments and analyze mm-hmm. everything that happened. Then we did a bit of that. But in the midst of doing that, uh, they came down with the verdict, and it was live on air, and you got our live true to life reactions mm-hmm. uh, for the first time ever on the show. Um, and so there it is. Alex Murdoch guilty on all charges. Yes. Um, he's facing a minimum of 30 years in life being that he's a 54 year old man. Um, and the maximum obviously being life, mm-hmm. uh, the chances that he has to, that he will spend the rest of his natural life in prison is pretty high. Yeah. Um, I think that there, obviously there's going to be appeals. 
Mm-hmm. There's no death penalty in this case. The, mm-hmm. the prosecution took that off the table very early on. Okay. And so no death penalty. Most he's going to get his life. It kind of makes the financial case moot. I mean, he's already yeah, in jail. He already admitted He just admitted much. everything. Mm-hmm. So do we really want to go mm-hmm. through this again? Um, so he's going to get life on the murders. He's going to get life on the financial crimes. Mm-hmm. He's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. Yeah. And as Lisa Lamb uh, pointed out, this guy, uh, Buster, was in the, yes, the, he was showing in the his audience. Face, mm-hmm. Looked like he was figuring out what he's going to have for dinner that night. He was so concerned. Not a, not a single shit, not, not yes. a single tear was shed for Alex this evening. Um, as the guilty verdict was read, not even from his own son, whom he tried to get a $12 million insurance payout. And so, well, that is that. Um, the story of Alex Murdoch. And now, now um, you could have the final bookend of the story of him. And you're going to have, it's, it's fascinating I mean, that is the, that's mm-hmm. the book to read. His law firm started by his grandfather in 1910. Mm-hmm. Here we are, fast forward to 2023, and he literally brought the entire place down because of his drug addiction, because of his greed, mm-hmm. uh, because of whatever his character flaws, his personality flaws. And that's all it takes to crumble an empire. <sighs> Imagine. Imagine, imagine when your law firm is around 110 years from now and all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden some dipshit comes along yes. and, uh, well, there, there you have it. Oh God. Well, uh, everybody, that's all we have for episode 29 of the Tilted Lawyer podcast. We've been going for about an hour and a half. Okay. And if you've been watching, uh, for the entirety of the show, thank you so much for joining us mm-hmm. and being with us during this monumental historic day on March 2nd of 2023. As they read the verdict on the Alex Murdoch trial, it's the end of the show. I can't talk anymore. Trial and uh, brought an end to the six-week saga that was uh, Alex Murdoch. Um, We're going to be coming back next week with more stuff. It's going to be new material, new cases. We're going to have to find something else to follow. Um, But if you guys have any show suggestions or topics you want us to cover, as so many of you all, all often do, I feel like you guys are going to to drive uh, the content of this show going forward. Mm-hmm. So just let us know what you want us to cover, and we will cover it. Other than that, I have my eye on uh, several different cases, and um, we're going to see uh, where we go. At any rate, um, for Eliana, do you have any parting words? Nope. I had the camera on you the whole time, so whatever you're doing. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to do the split. This I got to find a split screen mm-hmm. thing. Um, any final words for all of our listeners? Well, now that uh, we got the chance to finish this case like on air, uh, that gives the opportunity to the listeners to pretty much choose the next case. So, if One they, suggestion is Alec Baldwin. Uh, maybe, maybe. That's the guy with the, the actor with Yeah, the, I heard they dropped the charges on that guy, though. Oh, yeah? Or dropped some of the charges. I don't know. I forget. That's an option. We'll talk about Alec yeah. Baldwin. Um there's the Koberger case. There's mm-hmm. the Lindsey Clancy case. There's the suitcase trial coming. The suitcase killer. Remember that one lady that stuck her boyfriend oh, in a suitcase yes, yes, and was yes. too drunk to know what to do and just fell asleep and the guy suffocated to death? Yeah. That trial's coming up and she's really pissed off at her attorney. She's had like a five different attorneys and nobody's <laughs> returning her phone calls. It's one of those. Um, so maybe we'll get into that. But for everybody that's still with us, thank you for being with mm-hmm. us. And... Um, like I say after every show, lock your doors, keep your loved ones safe, give everybody a hug. You never know what's going to happen in this crazy world. Life could turn on a dime. Um, and with that, we will see you guys all uh, next week. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you all for listening to the entire podcast. We really do appreciate that. And as always, you can find us on YouTube on the Tilted Lawyer Podcast YouTube channel or on your podcast carrier of choice. If you feel we've presented anything of value, please leave a five-star rating, like, and subscribe. We always appreciate that kind of thing. And we do look forward to seeing you all again live every Thursday at 3 in the afternoon. We love you all. Take care. Bye-bye.